The scripture reading this morning comes from the Old Testament, 1 Kings chapter 3, verses 3 through 14. Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statutes of his father David. Only he sacrificed and offered incense at the high places. The king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there, for that was the principal high place. Solomon used to offer a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, Ask what I should give you. And Solomon said, You have shown great and steadfast love to your servant, my father David, because he walked before you in faithfulness, in righteousness, and in uprightness of heart toward you. And you have kept for him this great and steadfast love and have given him a son to sit on his throne today. And now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father David, although I am only a little child. I do not know how to go out or come in. And your servant is in the midst of the people whom you have chosen, a great people, so numerous they cannot be numbered or counted. Give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people, able to discern between good and evil. For who can govern this, your great people? It pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this. God said to him, Because you have asked this and have not asked for yourself long life or riches or for the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself understanding to discern what is right, I now do according to your word. Indeed, I give you a wise and discerning mind. No one like you has been before you, and no one like you shall arise after you. I give you also what you have not asked, both riches and honor, all your life. No other king shall compare with you. If you will walk in my ways, keeping my statutes and my commandments, as your father David walked, then I will lengthen your life. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Dear God, in these few moments, we pray that you would grant us your wisdom. We pray, Lord, that you would not allow the preacher's words to get in the way. We pray that you would speak in such a way that we might understand. Speak, Lord, your servants are listening. Amen. Um, you know, when, when I went to college a long time ago, Phil, <laughs> um, one of the things, and I guess it's still true today, one of the things that freshmen are desperate to find is something to put on the walls, you know, to decorate your room. And um, I didn't, didn't have a, a lot to work with, so I just got a piece of burlap cloth and put it up on the wall. And I decided that that would be sort of my wall of wisdom. And I would, throughout that year, collect sayings, quotations from professors, um, people I 
talking to, whatever I might be reading, even if I had some particular insight of my own. I, I kept a little bunch of uh, kind of parchment paper, little bits and pieces off to the side, and whatever there was this, you know, inspiration, I'd write it down and put it up on the wall. Um, after my freshman year, I became a resident advisor uh, in, in a dorm and, and continued that throughout my undergraduate career. And then when I went to Duke, um, sorry, um, to uh, seminary, for the four years I was there, I was also a resident advisor. So for seven years, I served as a resident advisor. And I took that burlap uh, cloth with me, always hanging it on my wall, adding as I went along. And, uh, you know, I was sort of like the dorm mom. And uh, it became a challenge of all the, the kids in, in the dorms where I served to try to get on my wall, you know. So they would invariably come running in, I've got something, I've got something, how about this, you know. And uh, a few of them made it on the wall. Uh, but one, one of the items that I, I wanted to get a picture of it, but it's, it, and I still have it, but it's all uh, in a, in a, in a chest underneath a bunch of boxes in the attic, you know, about, you know, moving boxes. So uh, I decided, well, I'll let you use your imagination. But one of the items that I have on that burlap sheet is something that I actually wrote. And these are the words that are up there. Knowledge comes from the mind, wisdom from the soul. Knowledge can be taught, wisdom only grows. You see, for all those eight years, I, I was in an educational environment, uh, being bombarded with information, uh, having to memorize and learn facts and figures along the way. And what I, my con- what I came to conclude was that knowledge that I was gaining wasn't enough. It wasn't sufficient. There's something else that I called wisdom that comes from in here. It's not something that is put inside of you, but it's something that comes from the soul. I believe then and I believe now that wisdom is entirely different from knowledge. And when I was in high school, I had a gym teacher that uh, during our uh, sessions on health education, one of the things that he said, and I've remembered all these years, is that knowledge is only knowledge when it changes your behavior. So, for, for example, if, if you learn from a textbook that uh, using illegal drugs is dangerous to your health, you don't know that if you don't live that. That if you go off and you, ah, who cares, then you really don't know. And that's what he, what he was trying to uh, instill in our young minds, is that knowledge, true knowledge, in, involves behavior. And as I look back on it now, I think he was really talking about wisdom in my mind more than he was talking about knowledge. The knowledge was knowing the facts, the wisdom was knowing what to do with those facts. Like Solomon, if I could make a request of God today, I would ask for wisdom. 
I would ask for that ability to understand more about my life and the world and what God intends for both. Wisdom, you see, comes from the soul. Now, when Solomon took over the throne from his father, King David, he was a young, a young man. We don't know really how old, how old he was, but he was young enough to feel very insecure and to describe himself in this dream conversation with God in this way. I am only a little child. I do not know how to go out or come in. And as I read that, I think, wow, I could say that about me. No matter how old I get, I, there, I am constantly confronted with, with circumstances and experiences in my life that I, that I feel so inadequate. I, I, I don't know how to go out or to come in. I don't know how to put all the pieces together. Now, in Solomon's dream, God then says to Solomon after he, after he, after he sort of has gotten into this uh, conversation, God says, ask what I should give you. Ask what I should give you. Tell me, what do you need? What do you want? And in humility, Solomon says, give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people, able to discern between good and evil. And that's what God gives him. Now, notice he doesn't specifically use the word, give me wisdom. What he says is, give me an understanding mind to govern your people, able to discern between good and evil. And God says in, re in reply, because you have asked for yourself understanding to discern what is right, I give you a wise and discerning mind. In so many words, Solomon was asking for wisdom, and that's precisely what God gave him. Now, the question is this, what, what is this wisdom that God gives to Solomon? Like I said, what, what he really asked for, very specifically, he asked for an understanding mind. The, now, the, the Hebrew word, uh, root word for that is shama, which means to hear or to listen. But not just to hear sounds, but to hear or listen with attention, with obedience. It, it's, it's, it's a kind of listening to know where to go, what to do. Wisdom at its heart, you see, is an act of listening. That's what Solomon asked for, and that's what he was receiving, this ability to listen, to understand, have an understanding mind, a listening mind, a, a, a mind that's open for what God has to say. But this particular listening has a purpose in our scripture lesson. He says, I want to have an, an understanding mind to discern between good and evil. In other words, the purpose of having this understanding mind, the purpose of this wisdom is so I'll know what to do. So I'll know what's good and, and what's bad, what's, what's good and evil, what's right and wrong. Now, that word discern is another word. It's not the word for understanding, but it means to understand. It comes from a root word, bene, 
in Hebrew, which means to understand. Solomon wants to listen attentively so he will know what is right and what is wrong. He wants to understand what is right and what is wrong. Wisdom, you see, in the Bible has a moral and ethical purpose. It is not just simply an accumulation of facts. It is not just a memorization of some sort of legalism, but it is an understanding. It is a discerning of what is right and what is wrong. You cannot be wise and be amoral in the scriptures. Wisdom, you see, is about listening for God's wisdom. That's why we have two ears and one mouth. (laughs) It's as if God created us to listen twice as often as we speak. Abraham Lincoln said, better to remain silent and be thought a fool than to speak out and remove all doubt. (laughs) What we're listening for is God's instructions, you see. Learning from God what is right and what is wrong. And then doing it. It's what my gym teacher all those many years ago was trying to say about knowledge. It's not just about hearing the instructions, but it's about living those instructions. This recent election calls for all of us here to seek wisdom. And not just any wisdom, God's wisdom. I believe that is God's dream, God's vision for us. You see, God's wisdom is knowing what is right and what is wrong and doing what is right. I want to be real honest with you. Lashing out at our opponents, whoever they are, making hate speech, it is simply not right. It's wrong. Calling people names, whether it be on your Twitter account or an email or on the phone, anonymously or otherwise, calling people names, making racial slurs, mocking or belittling others, it's simply not God's way. It's wrong. Wishing ill of others, making jokes, it's not right. And you know if you participated in that. You know, if we turn this election into winners and losers, then we all lose, all of us. You know, no matter how much, you know, no matter who could have won the election last Tuesday, half of our nation was going to be on the other side, no matter who won. God's vision is that we have the wisdom to understand that we are all on the same side, all of us, because we're children of God. A Pharisee came to Jesus and asked him, what is the greatest commandment? In essence, he was saying, tell me what's the greatest right to do. And Jesus said, and, and we find it in Matthew's gospel, the 22nd chapter, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul 
and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Did you hear that? If you want to know what is most right, it is loving God with all your being and loving your neighbor as yourself. Loving God, loving our neighbor, that's what's at the heart of wisdom. The writer of Proverbs says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, Proverbs 9.10. The fear of the Lord, the, the respect, the, the reverence, the awe of the Lord, that's what this word fear means in Proverbs. It is our love of God that is the beginning of wisdom. And we cannot love God without loving our neighbor. The Apostle Paul wrote that very um, word of wisdom in his epistle of 1 John chapter 4. Those who say, I love God and hate their brothers or sisters are liars. For those who do not love a brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. It's as simple as that. You know, when I, um, when I started out in ministry, uh, I, I um, had chapel time with our preschool, much as I do today in our preschool here, and I would dress up as biblical characters uh, to tell Bible stories. And the children, they were so young, they had a hard time saying Pastor Al, and they started calling me Pastor Owl, Pastor Owl, or maybe that's what they heard. <laughs> And, uh, and it sort of caught on in the church. Uh, it was not my intention to be Pastor Owl, but that's what the kids called me. So everybody else started calling me that. And so they started giving me owls for every birthdays, uh, anniversaries, you name it. I got owls until I had over 100 owls in the parsonage. I was, I was getting up here with owls. <laughs> As you know, the owl is a symbol of wisdom. Now maybe maybe that uh, symbolism comes from Athena, who was the Greek ancient Greek goddess of wisdom, because that was her symbol. And you can many statues, many paintings that uh, show Athena, which of course Athens is named after. Um, you, you you'll see somewhere. Sometimes she's holding the owl. Sometimes the owl is down at her at her feet. Now, maybe, maybe it became her symbol because of what the owl represented just in the natural world and what people observed about owls, you see. Owls they have these big eyes, you know. It's like they are observing, they're watching. And they have, because of that, they, they have very keen eyesight, and that's why they're able to hunt at night. And are so effective because they have the big, big eyes. They also have an uncanny um, ability to hear. And so they can watch, they can listen, and they can be very dangerous predators at night. Also, I, I don't know if you know this, but the owl's eyes do not move. They are stationary in the skull of the owl. And the, the way the owl is able to look is by moving its head. And an owl can move its head 
270 degrees. That's almost all the way around. This is like, you know, the original exorcist, you know. <laughs> um, and uh, I'm, I'm not sure how many, but it's many, many times more bones in, a, um, in an owl's head than in, in a human skull because of this need to move the head around. And maybe that's also partly why uh, people kind of started seeing owls as being wise because they seem to always be, you know, moving their head around and watching and, and observing and seem to be very keenly aware of everything that's around it. Well, I no longer collect owls, just so you know, okay? I'm not collecting owls anymore. But I can still learn a lot from owls. You see, I can keep my eyes open for ways to love God by loving others. I, I can constantly be watching for ways in which people have needs. And by loving them, I can learn to love God. And I can also listen for God's direction. I can listen quietly and keenly for, for God to speak to me and tell me what direction I need to go in. There's a, a rhyme a children's rhyme that um, I'd like to share with you, if I can find it here, uh, about an owl. Here it is. It goes like this. A wise old owl sat in an oak. The more he saw, the less he spoke. The less he spoke, the more he heard. Why can't we all be like that wise old bird? <laughs> See, we can do that. We could listen for God. We could kind of close our mouths for a while. In all the shouting that's been going on over the last, seems like, year, especially the shouting in the last week or two, we need more people who will simply listen. And not just listen for the wind, but listen for God to speak. To tell us how we are to live. Tell us what's right and what's wrong about the way we treat one another. And I happen to believe if, if we do that, I think God will grant us the wish that Solomon was asking for. God will grant us wisdom. And like Solomon, we will find that we don't need riches or a long life. We don't need our enemies to be destroyed. We don't need the world to be built into our image. For God will grant us everything that we need if we simply seek God's wisdom. I believe that's God's dream for us. That's God's dream for me. It's God's dream for you. It's God's vision for our nation and the world. Seek wisdom. And you can almost hear God say, and everything else will follow. Let us pray. Lord, give us your direction. Give us an understanding mind so that we can discern what is good and what is evil. Amen. We will continue our